Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas that are sometimes informational, sometimes inspirational, and always entertaining on Stacy Connects. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Stacy Connects, a show about making connections through conversation. By asking questions instead of making assumptions, we might just learn something. Thanks to everyone who listens. If you like the show, share it. You can find it and Don't Ask Me to Talk with Eric Ryder wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also call into the show live by calling 425-373-5527. Or remember, you can text or leave me a voicemail at 475 475- Nine 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 two seven two four. I would love to hear from people. Uh, you know, I do like the sound of my own voice and I do like talking to myself. It's very th- therapeutic. However, I really love interaction. One of my major love languages is words of affirmation. And honestly, even if you don't have an affirming word, I would still love to hear from you. So anyway, I digress as usual. My guest today is Colleen Ghost. She is a life coach, and I am excited to have her on the show. She was introduced to me by a mutual friend, Mary Gleason, and we are going to be talking about toxic relationships and women and uh, transitioning into the best part of your life and all of these kinds of good things. So welcome to Colleen. Well, thank you, Stacey. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm excited to have this conversation. Absolutely. I have been looking forward to this for some time. Uh, before we start chatting, uh, per usual, I want to share with listeners some of the conversations and situations that I have had this week. Uh, sometimes those conversations are with myself. Sometimes they're with other people. Uh, it's always a good audience, though. So one of the things that uh, is a bit of a follow-up from last week, I was talking with Lee and my mom, who were on the show last week, which, by the way, mom and Lee and Diane, I'm sure you're listening to, the show was very well received. People thought that you were great guests, so well done, gals. Uh, We were talking about energy. I mentioned that with... Uh, Lee's daughter Ellie visiting and hanging out that we got into a lot of conversations about energy. And interestingly, I am a producer and I guess co-host of a show that is on KKNW called At the Root with Greg Kuyper. That airs on Mondays at three o'clock. And he was talking about energy And I thought it was an interesting follow-up to the conversation that I had with Lee and Mom last week, who were sort of like, I don't get this energy thing. And he shared information about how the heart emits an electrical field uh, that is some crazy amount of times greater than uh, the activity in the brain, and that the heart also has, I did write this part down, an electromagnetic field that is 5,000 thousand times greater or stronger than the brain and that 
the electromagnetic field that is generated by the heart can extend up to three feet outside of our bodies. So the whole energy thing that I talk a lot about and getting a vibe from a person or a sense or whatever it is that you want to say, apparently that is a real thing. Uh, When the electromagnetic field of two individuals comes together or within a few feet of each other, they can actually interact. And that means that the the brain or the heart can translate what it's feeling um, as a method of communication. And I think it's really interesting that the neurons within the heart allow the heart to learn, remember, and make decisions uh, independent of the brain's cerebral cortex. So that whole making a decision from the gut, uh, there is something to that scientifically. So it is becoming more and more commonplace, more widely accepted in the scientific realm that in a essence, we have two brains, one that is in our head and one that's in our heart. So I thought that was fascinating. I sent that part of the article to both Lee and mom And I just thought it was noteworthy with all the people out there that wonder about the whole energy thing, because it sounds very uh, wooey um, and people get uncomfortable with that. So I figured I'd bring the science in. Um, Okay, another situation that happened this past week. So as I've mentioned many, many times, I'm part of a networking group that meets every Friday and This week, I was a substitute for our president and ran the meeting, and so I had to be there at 8 a.m. and run the meeting and let people in initially and basically play host. And I had somebody uh, that was there for the meeting that was uh, a sub for someone else, and she actually is a former member of our chapter, so I know her quite well, and... I was catching her up on how I'm doing, and I was saying that mom had visited for two weeks, and, you know, holy cow, it's an interesting balance to make. Um, You know, A, it's my mother, which is basically, like, if you want to spend two weeks with me, I mean, imagine what it would be like with my mother. Um, She's like the OG me. And, And how, you know, balancing that, the personality And, you know, the age and vulnerability that comes with it and all of this. Well, it was interesting because the gal that I was chatting with was like, geez, you know, I hope my kids don't speak about me like that. And I was like, I wasn't even saying anything bad uh, at all. I promise, mom. Um, And it was just such an interesting take. She is 77. And, you know, just that idea of being vulnerable and how you articulate yourself about experiences and remembering that when you say something that people, it's up to them how they translate it. And it was just such a good reminder for me because I never want to misconstrue what my relationship is with anybody. And uh, it was a great reminder. I sort of felt like I had been, I got in trouble with like my second grade teacher in a way. There was like a like, oh, geez, now I feel bad element, uh, which was very interesting. Uh, okay, the last thing I want to talk about is something else that I learned from my client, Greg Kuiper, on his show yesterday. This came into play because 
I may or may not have a family member that seems to be experiencing this concept called cognitive dissonance. I had heard of this. I didn't really understand it. Apparently, cognitive dissonance is a mental conflict that occurs when your beliefs don't line up with your actions. So like, you know, cookies are terrible for me. And then you're like eating like a full sleeve of Oreos. Um, Or, you know, I believe that cookies are the devil's work and you eat a whole sleeve of Oreos. Uh, But obviously on a more serious level. So this uncomfortable state of mind when someone has contradictory values or attitudes or perspectives about the same thing. So I thought this was an interesting thing because it can lead to so much confusion. And, you know, I talk regularly about my kids and my 19-year-old is trying to figure out what he wants to do, where he wants to work, what his place is in this world. And he has all of these uh, seemingly opposing views on these things. And this was really interesting for me to learn about. And then, of course, Greg, the purpose of his show is about creating connection and awareness of these things. And as he talked about the ways that you're supposed to actively listen to your loved ones, coworkers, friends, etc., I pulled the trifecta of failure and, uh, you know, was dismissive, a know-it-all, and not listening. So that was an awesome moment. Um, however, I continue to learn. And, uh, and that's the most important thing. And, you know, just learning more about myself and learning more about my friends and family. And, uh, you know, why not, right? This is, this is the time to have the conversations again so that we might learn something. So I haven't done a stasiism for the past couple of weeks. And I've had a stasiism sitting. I, I have a very skeletal outline of show notes. And it's been sitting there for a couple of weeks now. And... The stasiism that I have, and it might be just perfect for Colleen as my guest, is prepare the person for the path, not the path for the person. So I think a lot about this in relation to parenting with a generation of peers that are like helicopter parents and that are making sure that everybody gets a trophy and that there is you know, equality or perceived equality among everyone and opportunity and helping with homework and managing activities and doing all of these things, it makes me think about that, that the path among my peers seems to be the thing that they're focused on versus the person. And it's interesting because I notice a shift in my own parenting that in the beginning, I focused a lot more on the people. And then I got lazy and I realized that I was preparing the path. And it doesn't really work that well. Uh, I mean, luckily, I've got four awesome kids and they'll all end up being great and doing the things that they're supposed to do. 
Uh, but it's an interesting experiment to think about and reflect on and see which you've done. Uh, because definitely preparing the person for the path seems like the better situation. I don't know. I'm just saying. Uh, Eric, I'll ask you a personal question. Sure. In your parenting, like not you parenting Gertie, your dog, but <laughs> like you're growing up, do you feel generationally like your parents prepared the path for you or you for the path? Hmm. Yeah, that's a tough question. Right? Like, did they smooth things over and make it easier? Or, you know, like, I think of it as like, you know, when I would watch like old movies where they'd be in the jungle and they're like, they've got the machete and they're clearing away <laughs> all the stuff. Um, you know, so it's like, did they do that before you went walking through? Or did they hand you a machete and teach you how to use it so that you could clear your own brush? Probably more the latter. Yeah. yeah. It's it's an interesting thing. I mean, I wonder if it's a generational thing. Um, you know, I wonder what the shift is. Uh, and it's a tricky thing because obviously you want your kids to have a smooth path. For sure. And, uh, but really what makes it smooth is teaching them. It's like the whole, um, do you give somebody a fish or teach them how to fish? Right. Yeah. So anyway, love myself a metaphor, love myself an analogy, <laughs> a simile, all that stuff. Okay, so uh, with all of that in mind, I am very excited to chat more with Colleen, and uh, I think she's going to have a lot to say once we're talking about what she does and what she's about. So stay tuned, and when we come back, we will chat with Colleen, and we will connect some more. We'll be right back. Looking to reconnect with your partner, spouse, kids, or self? When the disconnect seemingly has been there for a lifetime and is impacting your relationships, it's difficult to determine how and where to start. But at the root with Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling is the perfect first step. Throughout each episode, Greg talks about establishing emotional connection with ourselves and others. He offers experience, advice, explanation, and resources to listeners. You can find past episodes on his website, KuiperCounseling.com, or through his YouTube channel, Connection Through Awareness with Greg Kuiper. Stacy Connects, it's not just my business, it's my superpower. Whether you need the right tone and messaging for a new venture, or you've plateaued with your current one, I can help. I connect clients with themselves and their potential. Then I identify unique solutions that translate your brand into messaging that connects your target audience with your business. Go to stacyconnects.com to connect with me and your messaging. Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. Welcome back to Stacy Connects. Remember, if you have a comment or a question or an idea, feel free to call into the show. The number is, uh, as I've mentioned before, 425-373-5527. And welcome to my guest, Colleen Ghost. Hello, Colleen again. Hello, Stacy. I'm so excited to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you are a life coach for people in toxic relationships. That's correct. 
Now, I am curious about this um, because this feels like, honestly, everybody at some point. It also uh, would seem that it would be a certain age, but then as I was thinking about you coming on the show and the questions that I had for you, I'm like, well, no, no, that's not necessarily true. Um, Naturally, I'm applying it to like my children because I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about them as they're in budding relationships. But then I expanded my view and thought, oh, wait a minute. I know a lot of friends that are discovering that their long-term relationships and marriages are not what they thought it was. So. I uh, I imagine that it is that it's an interesting niche that is not necessarily age specific. That is true. That is so true. I mean, we we meaning that there's so many people who are in toxic relationships of some type. And again, they're not necessarily just romantic. They can be with friends, family, family members. They could be with coworkers or bosses. So we find a lot of people find themselves in these relationships, but they're not really sure what to do next. Meaning, uh, how do I, how do they get out of those relationships? How do they make their relationships healthy? And for a lot of people, it's like, what does a healthy relationship look like? Because they've never really had one. So um, the reason I got into being a life coach is because I had my own journey as well. That was one of my questions. I'm like, (laughs) why of all the, the niches in this town, why this one? Yeah, because I felt, well, just kind of give you a little bit of backstory. So I was in the corporate world for 25 years. I worked as a procurement lead, which essentially meant I did contracts and negotiated terms and such. And I did that work well, for the most part. I had a long career in it. And the reason I stayed was mostly to take care of my girls. I had two daughters that for part of the time I was their, their sole parents. So I supported them. And when I when they grew up and, and moved into their own worlds, I realized, you know, I, I really want to do something that brings me joy, that I want to help people, but I wasn't sure how to go about doing that. And unfortunately, I found myself for 20 years in a very abusive relationship. Um, I It was very toxic, very abusive, and unfortunately, I raised my girls in that situation as well. So I really realized I wanted to help women who are in those situations as well help them to find a way out, help them to understand that there is a way out, that we don't need to be in relationships that make us feel less than what we are. We should be in relationships that make us feel more than what we are. So So can I I ask you a question? Please. So I am, I don't want to make an assumption, but I'm guessing that the abusive relationship was with the girl's father. Correct. Okay. And so, I mean, there's a double-edged sword here with one, trying to navigate your own way out of it, and then two, it's almost like seeds have been planted for them. And so trying to preemptively uh, make sure that they work their way out of it. Correct. And that for, for me, that was the harder piece of it as well, because I, I have to work through that journey myself and, and, and get out of that relationship. And then once you're out of a toxic relationship, then you need to do the work so that you don't fall back into that type of situation again. And a lot of it is really, you know, when you go through a toxic relationship like that, you tend to lose a lot of yourself. Your self-confidence, your self-esteem is, is slowly erodes away. You, you realize that after a while you start to think, well, geez, do I deserve to be in this relationship? Is this what I can expect from a relationship? Am I, 
is, is this my story going forward? And when you realize once you're out of that relationship, you realize, no, I deserve, and it takes a while to get there, but you deserve, everybody deserves to be loved unconditionally. Everybody deserves to be respected. Everybody deserves to be trusted. And, and everyone deserves to have open and honest communication in their lives. And that's something that I took me a while to learn. And I, I actually got help through therapy and through life coaching myself to find my path. And I worked with my girls as well to find their paths. And, you know, in my book, I talk about it took them a lot. I, I saw some of the pains they went through in their own relationships as they became teenagers and such. And mm-hmm. I saw them struggling. And it was so painful to see that because I realized that they 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 had their own struggles as well through what they experienced as children. But when they were able to find great relationships, and now both of them are in great relationships that that are healthy and, and they're happy. And, and it's like, um, I, I can't even explain how happy that makes me feel to know that it was a struggle, but they were able to find their way and, yeah. find, them and find people that made them want to be the best version of themselves. Well, and break a cycle. I mean, so often when it comes to toxic relationships that have some type of abuse, uh, there is that whole fear of continuing a cycle because that is what is modeled. And so I imagine that feels unbelievable. Um, Now, I imagine that if you have been in a relationship like, you know, again, whether it's with a significant other or a work relationship, whatever. I imagine that that impacts your attitude again about yourself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, changing you from maybe somebody that uh, is more carefree to somebody that is always worrying, uh, that is always suspect of things or cautious. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Because I remember when I look back at the person I was before my cycle of toxic relationships started. So my my 20 year marriage wasn't the first toxic relationship I had. I had a few in the beginning when I was in my early twenties. And, and the person I was before those relationships started was I was, I, when I look back at the person I was, I was vibrant. I had a opinion, which I wasn't afraid to state to people. I loved you know, debating with others, even and, and not not worrying about the fact of whether they agreed with me or not, just being able to share what who I was, sure. and having that freedom. And the person I, I saw that person slowly erode away. It when I was in my my relationship, my my marriage, you know, started off like a lot of marriages, of course, started off being great. We were in love and we were happy, and it slowly changed into an abusive relationship. And I saw myself just becoming shell of who I was. I lost my self-esteem. I lost my self-worth. And to be honest, I also wasn't able to do a job in a career. And I always wanted, my career was always important to me, especially mm-hmm. when I was younger. And I saw that he rode away as well. I was able to do my job, but I, that's about all I was able to do. And I found myself being passed up by from being promoted and being growing in my career because I wasn't able to be that person who, who could do the, the work that I needed to do. Sure. I, became... I mean, it's so... sort of like, um, I imagine it's like you're hiding your light under a bushel, as the expression goes, right. so that 
Uh, you know, you don't want to attract too much attention because it's sort of like a flinch mentality. Like, you know, don't hit me or don't yell at me or don't whatever. And I would imagine that that would seep into your, you know, your professional uh, situation, your your interpersonal relationships with friends and colleagues. Absolutely. And I started to, to, I always loved having people around me. I always loved having friends. And what I found myself becoming is more of an introvert. And what I mean by that is I pushed people away because I didn't want them to see my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't want them to understand the pain and anguish I was going through. And to be honest, I was ashamed of it. I took on a lot of the responsibility of that toxic relationship. So instead of uh, knowing that it's something that's happening to me that, that I need to work through and, and get out of, I took it on and assumed that it was something that I deserved. It was a relationship. I was doing something to deserve this relationship. So I started pushing people away. I started not sharing my life with people and, there was a time when I realized, especially when it got to the point where I was in, at the end of my relationship, I was moving forward to another chapter in my life. I realized I had no support mm-hmm. because I pushed everybody away. Sure. And that I realized how important it is. And I always tell my clients this, it's really, really important to have a village. And a lot of times when we're in these relationships, at least I know for myself, you push people away because you don't want them to see what's going on. But truly, that is the time when you really need people, you need that village to help and support you to get to that next level. Mm -hmm. More and more as I interview uh, guests from all different walks of life, uh, dealing with different things, I learned that uh, connection or community is really one of the key foundations of healing and health. Um, Now, okay, so I'm curious, if you don't mind my asking, did your parents have a healthy relationship? No. Okay. So that relationship, you witnessed that. And then, so you mentioned that you had some not great relationships then in your, your early 20s. Um, so were you repeating what you saw? Yes, I was repeating what I saw. Absolutely. And, and for, for me, really was not really knowing how to have a relationship with, with others. Um, my family dynamic was very, um, uh, it would be, my, my parents didn't have a loving relationship. I think, you know, they didn't show us that they cared for each other. They just existed. Um, my dad had a very bad temper. So when it, it, um, one of the things I write in my book is whenever he got angry, when I was a little kid, I anger is something that is really hard for me to handle because when I was a little kid and something would break in our house, nobody would ever tell him because he would come home and he would try to fix it. And it would just be a total disaster, yelling and screaming and breaking. And it was just, and I remember running outside as a little girl, just staying out there. My mom used to say, well, why are you standing out here? And I go, because I, I can't, I can't deal with it. I right. It's like you're waiting for the storm to pass. Exactly. Exactly. And I think some of that that behavior over time, and also the fact that my parents didn't really show that they cared about each other. Um, so our dynamic as a family was just very, um, not, it wasn't we didn't have a good dynamic to begin with. And then on top of that, when I was a teenager, my dad didn't allow me to date. He just said, nope, you're not dating anyone. So I didn't know how to react to, to the opposite sex at all in terms of a relationship or a friendship for that matter. Sure. So, so those, you know, being awkward and not knowing how to have a relationship and really not knowing 
What, how should I be treated in a relationship? What did I truly deserve? Um, those aspects didn't really come to me until later on. And I think that played a role in the, being in me tolerating, you know, being in very toxic relationships at, at a young age. And then moving into, when I, I remember meeting, when I met my husband, I thought, oh, he's such a great guy. I really do deserve this. And then when I saw him change, Instead of leaving at that point, I just sustained. And I think a lot of it had to do with my background and the fact that I had just tolerated that behavior for right. most of my life. Okay. So two things come up for me as you're talking. Uh, one is I'll follow up on one of the things that you said that, you know, your father in just blanketly saying, no, you can't date and mm-hmm. not really talking to you about expectations in relationships with the opposite sex and things that you should demand for yourself and, you know, Mm -hmm. clear boundaries and all of that. So it sounds like, you know, that's a key component, not just for, you know, if you have um, two people that are your parents, um, having two different perspectives. It's not just, and I don't want this to be like, it's got to be the opposite sex because there are a lot of uh, different families that have same-sex parents and so on and so forth. But having the conversation, whomever has it, about how to be in a relationship, what to look for, what to expect, what, uh, what you should want. It sounds like that's a key component. That's absolutely correct. And and you're right about the fact that those discussions never happened, meaning what to expect, you know, what, what are, how to have healthy boundaries, how to set the right expectations and and how to feel about who you are, you know, feeling good about who you are. Uh, Those things are so important, especially as you're growing up and, and journeying into relationships of any kind. It's really understanding that you need to love yourself first. And once you love yourself, you can love others. But not even realizing that I wasn't loving myself, to be honest. I mean, so those conversations never happened about how to have relationships. So I learned to have relationships by emulating my family, emulating my parents, which unfortunately my mom was great about, she was very social. She had a lot of good friends in her community. Uh, My dad didn't, but that's pretty much where it ended for her. She had great relationship with people. She was very loving and caring, even with us. But when it came to our family dynamic with my dad, it, it was it's like she walked on eggshells too. And I don't think I realized that till later in life that that's what she was doing was really walking on eggshells. Um, my parents' relationship wasn't abusive, so to speak, but my mother did walk on eggshells. She didn't say and do what she wanted to say and do for fear of retribution of some kind. So sure. And I, yeah. And I not, you know, later in life, I walked in eggshells. So I understood what that felt like as well. Okay. So then my next question is, uh, I have, uh, as listeners know, I've got four kids. I have two daughters. One of my daughters uh, was in a fairly long-term relationship that started in high school and went into college. And I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say that it was a toxic relationship. She has learned that uh, since they broke up, and it's something that she continues to work on. Now, obviously, I'm biased. I feel like I come from a long line of healthy relationships, uh, or I should say, Annie, 
uh, comes from a long line of healthy relationships between my family and my husband's family and what we model. And so what is it then that for some people, even if you do come from uh, what a seemingly healthy environment, is it about your relationship with yourself? Is it the idea that, you know, for her or whomever's sensibilities, it's not what they're looking for, so therefore it's unhealthy? Like, what's the deal with that? I think that's a great question, because I think a lot of times we think of our backgrounds and our and our situations as children to kind of foster the, the type of relationships we have in the future. But I think a lot of times relationships stem from how you feel about yourself, too. So even though you've got folks in your life that emulate healthy, positive relationships with each other and, and such, it's how you feel about yourself truly that matters as well. Um, and I think we all go through ebb and flows where we feel, you know, great about ourselves and other times we don't, given circumstances that happen. And, and sometimes that can also lead us to accept bad behavior or to um, make excuses to, for it. Excuses, yes, make excuses. And, and one thing I, I hear a lot with folk, with people is, uh, but I love the person. And because I love them, I want to stay in this relationship. And, and using that as the reason for staying or the reason for having a relationship. And while that is important, absolutely important to love someone, love is not always enough. Mm-hmm. And, and I work with my clients to help them understand that love is not always enough. Like when I think back in my relationship with my, my ex-husband, I loved him too. And I use that as a relation, reason as well. Oh, but I love him and I want to stay because I love him. And I realized that that wasn't enough to stay. There needs to be healthy. You need to have a foundation of a healthy relationship. And that's the only way you're going to have a relationship with someone, regardless of whether you love them or not, that you need to have that first and foremost. Sure. And love does not bring that foundation into play. Um, And so I think a lot of times when we feel we love someone, we do make those excuses. We tolerate bad behavior that we normally would not tolerate from other people. And, and we tend to keep that going, whereas we should just take a step back. I tell my clients, sometimes you guys take a step back and look at your relationship objectively as my, with my help, of course, because it's hard to do it yourself. Sure. But say, what is your relationship like? Is it truly what you deserve? And a lot of times it's not. And it's, when people see that, they go, whoa, you're right. And I got to think back about this. So It's kind of like, you know, um, the heart wants what it wants. And it always seems to want like, you know, the bad stuff, right? It's like the bad boy syndrome. Um, right. And, you know, and I'll talk to uh, clients of mine, taking it out of the the personal relationship realm and into, you know, professional relationships. I will talk to them about how when they are messaging uh, maybe potential clients or people that they want to attract to their business, there's a lot of time spent targeting the people in the back of the room. I'm obviously Mm -hmm. speaking metaphorically. The people that aren't listening, the people that aren't interested, the people that are suspect, the people that are deriding your efforts or, you know, whatever it is. And yet we spend all of this time and energy trying to reach those people in the back of the room instead of talking directly to the people in front of us that are listening and wanting to connect. And it's such an interesting part of human nature that we seem to uh, always want that 
thing that doesn't want us. Yeah, that's very true. That's so true. You'll go after the person that doesn't show you any interest, you know, or, or that, you know, people always talk about, or at least I've heard about ways of getting someone is to not show interest. And then they want to chase you and pursue you because you're not interested in them uh, versus like you're saying, looking at the people that are interested, that want to talk to you, that want to be in your life and focusing on those things. Right. Um, yeah, because that's really what you need to do is focus on the people that want to be there for you and the people that truly care about you versus the one that that doesn't, that you want to, you have to um, convince them to be part of your life. Right. This is so fascinating. Uh, let's take a break here for a moment. And I want to ask you about this book that you've written. And I know you have a lot of different things that you do. So let's take a break and then we can keep chatting. You're listening Great. to Stacy Connects. We'll be right back. Stacy Heller is many things, entertaining yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth. Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to StacyConnects.com. Stacy Connects, it's her superpower. Too many relationships are adversely affected by wounds from our past. Lack of connection, unhappiness, shame, and regret are just some of the fallouts we experience when we choose to avoid addressing those wounds. Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling is a psychotherapist committed to reestablishing connection with self to create greater connection with others. His work with teens, individuals, couples, and those struggling with substance use. If you struggle with old wounds or unhealthy narratives, get to the root of them in yourself by contacting Greg Kuyper at KuyperCounseling.com. That's KuyperCounseling.com. Broaden your horizons. You'll be amazed at all the topics we cover on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Stacy Connects. I am chatting today with Colleen Ghost, who is a life coach who focuses on toxic relationships. Like, that's not what she wants, obviously. Uh, but she works with people to recognize them and basically build themselves back up so that they can get out and thrive. Um, so I've been asking all kinds of questions of you. Uh, the work that you do with people, is this primarily one-on-one -on -one coaching? Is this uh, group content? How do you approach this with clients? So right now I'm doing one-on-one -on -one coaching. I'm looking to launch a group program next year. But right now it's been one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's, you know, with people for four weeks or I have program, I have a program that runs for four weeks and I have a program that runs for three months. Um, but it's really helping people get out of the cycle of toxic relationships. And for everybody, that can be a different timing. Some people need longer times than others mm -hmm. because they've been in those relationships. So really also teaching people how to have a healthy relationship. 
you know, what is a healthy relationship for them? You know, what does that entail? And, you know, for, for most of us, when we think of a healthy relationship, and I always envision it as having three pillars, trust, respect, and good communication, that we think about, well, that should be easy to do. Well, if you've never really had a healthy relationship, that is not easy to do. And, and for, for so I help my clients, like you were talking about earlier, you know, whether you clear the path, you give them a sickle and have them do it themselves. I like to think of myself being the person that gives them the sickle and helps them do it themselves, helping them get down that path, helping them understand how to get out of that cycle for themselves, but also building those healthy relationships with the people in their lives over time. Interesting. And I... Uh way to use the correct term. I was like, machete. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. That is the correct term for what I was talking about. Um, So now are there, do you find that there are key transitions? And I'm, I know that men can be in toxic relationships as well. And I don't mean to paint with a wide brush here. However, I'm going to. Uh, Do you find that there are key transitions in a woman's life where they have this, uh, dare I call it, a come to Jesus or aha moment, as Oprah would call it, moment of like, I'm not going to take it anymore. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's funny how that can come up in many different ways. For some women, it comes up after they've had children and they realize, ooh, this is, you know, I don't want my kids to be in a relationship like this but I don't know how to get out of it. And I totally understand that piece of it. And then I also find that with, with women who, who have been in, you know, first they didn't even realize they weren't toxic relationships, but they knew that, you know, they look back at some of the several relationships they had and they realized that they weren't good. They didn't know why they, they didn't classify them as being toxic, but they just said, you know what, I've had several relationships with people and, you know, in my life and it's just, you know, hasn't, lasted long. It's been very tumultuous. Uh, I see common themes, but I don't know how to make that change. What do I need to do differently? Um, So for a lot of times, it's just really recognizing the fact, first and foremost, that you're in a cycle. Because I think for a lot of people, they don't realize they're in a cycle. They just think, okay, I'm going through, I have this one bad relationship or I have one here that's bad, but they're not seeing a cycle happening. Once they see that cycle is happening for them, then they know that they need, they want to have help to get out of that cycle. So to answer your question, that, that time that it happens can be from when people, you know, have kids, when, when women, you know, look back at their, or people look back at their relationships and go, wow, geez, you know, I didn't realize it was this bad. Or for a lot of people, it's when they hit, you know, their 40s or 50s even, and they've been in a long-term relationship and they they start to wonder if this is the way their life's going to be for the rest of the time. Right. And is it, this it? Is this it? Yeah. <laughs> is this, you know, especially when their kids are growing up and moving away mm-hmm. and now they're an empty nester and they go, ooh, is this really? Because they've had distractions maybe in their relationship moving forward where their kids have been pretty much, you know, they've been involved in their kids' lives. And when their kids move away, they're like, ooh, is this what our relationship really is like? Right. Because I've had several, I've had many clients come to me in when they've been married for 30, 35 years and they're going, ooh, well, I didn't realize how bad it was till I had no other distractions in front of me. Um, so that can also be a turning point for a lot of people. Interesting. So is that the focus? So you you wrote a book 
that is mm-hmm. called A uh, Woman's Journey of a Lifetime. Um, tell me about that. Is that uh, sort of incorporating what you're talking about? Yes, it does. So, so the book talks about the transitions in a woman's life. And it starts off, it's, it's really telling my story, but I've also shared stories from some of my dear friends who had their own transitions as well. But essentially the book talks about, you know, from the time we're born to the time, you know, we're later in life, it talks about the transitions that every woman goes through, whether it's your childhood, your high school years, you know, your college career, your marriage, and all of the transitions we go through and how for some of us, they may be smoother than others. And for some of us, it's also building blocks. Like when I look back at my life and I see, you know, look at my childhood and I think back to where my childhood was and how it impacted my relationships, my family dynamic truly impacted the way I looked at relationships in my life, whether they were romantic or friendships for that matter, but just relationships in general and how they truly impacted my life. And I realized that, you know, I wanted to make that change. I didn't want to have these tumultuous relationships anymore. I wanted to have relationships where not only did, were they healthy, but I also felt that I could be me and I could be loved unconditionally. So I talk a lot about that in the book. It's about unconditional love, because I think for some people it's expected because they felt they've had it in their lives. So they know that's something that they truly deserve. And they look for that in their relationships. But for, for some of us, and I'm, I'm one of them, I never had unconditional love as a child. And um, my dad never told me he loved me. My mom always did, but my dad didn't. So I grew up not knowing what unconditional love was. I always felt that I had to be a certain way or do a certain thing to be loved. And I always was afraid that love was going to go away if I stopped being the type of person I needed to be. Well, and what's interesting is um, you mentioned uh, earlier in the show uh, we were talking about relationships and how love often isn't enough. And I have taught my kids that, that in, you know, your relationship, any any romantic relationship, uh, love is really not enough. Like, is there that mutual trust? Is there respect? Is there like? I mean, do you like the person? And right. I would say the same thing is true with parenting. Uh, love is not enough. Is there mutual respect? Is there... Uh, like, is there those things? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. When it comes to the relationship as a parent to a child, those things also, because it's a healthy relationship. If you want relationships are healthy in many aspects and and parent child relationships are the same. They need to be based on trust and respect and open and honest communication. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a, I think that's a, a key thing that, you know, as a parent, it's so easy you know, that to think of just it being a one way street that, you know, you're teaching your kids these things and and that, you know, you're the, uh, for lack of a better word, dominant one in the relationship that gets to call the shots and whatever. And yet and that, you know, it's all OK because it's in the name of love or protection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's just it's not enough. Um, so, I you know, it's interesting for you hearing, you know, your mom expressing love for you, but your dad not saying it and not having the conversations and how it impacted your sensitivities. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also impacted what I, what I, um, you know, would tolerate 
my tolerance level, because it's interesting because I looked at my tolerance level and, you know, you think about um, what we tolerate as people in terms of how people treat us, you know, and, and I think back to when I was, um, I had a colleague who was a, an attorney, she and I was on, a, we were on the phone one day with another opposing counsel because we're doing a contract and my barometer for insults and being treated badly was so low on the spectrum because that's, I was, that was my relationship. I had this, you know, marriage that that's what it taught me to be treated that way. So I was on the phone with her and she and I were talking with this other opposing counsel and the, and the man um, made a very condescending remark to her. And she just, you know, at that point was this is so disrespectful, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there going, Ooh, I didn't think it was that bad. Right. <laughs> but I realized at that point that my spectrum was so low because I had been treated for so long, so badly that I just accepted and anticipated, not anticipated, but accepted that from other people. And I realized at that point that, wow, I accept, I would tolerate being treated that way where most people would not. And it was a really an eye opener for me to say, whoa, I need to make this change. I truly need to start really respecting myself and knowing and feeling how to be treated with respect. And, and that was a very big eye opener for me. Now, do the clients that you work with, are they primarily entering this dialogue from the personal relationships and then realizing how it has uh, overflowed into their uh, professional life? Or is it something that they're noticing in their professional life and then they're realizing how it's actually started with their personal life? Which direction does it go or does it go in both? It goes in both. I think for most of the clients I have, it's usually the first where they're, you know, they're seeing this this relationship kind of impacting other relationships in their lives, but and and, and maybe impacting their work. But I'm finding I do have clients that have just what you said the latter, where they're realizing that the what how they're allowing people in their lives to treat them, whether they're you know, family or otherwise, is truly impacting the way they're perceived at their job, the way they perceive themselves, and and how they're able to do, function in their in their work. So yes, it, it I've seen that happen with some of my clients where they go, whoa, it does really impact. And I and I know that for myself because I felt that myself. I knew that I could have probably gone a lot further in my career if I just allowed myself to be to love myself. If I loved and respected myself. And I could probably have gone a lot further than I did. But because I didn't, I, you know, didn't feel I deserved any better. And I just accepted bad behavior on all fronts. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how uh, really asserting yourself, your narrative and your message uh, is so difficult for everyone. I mean, I'm I'm in a healthy 30 year marriage and with my business, for instance, I redid my website recently, stacyconnects.com, by the way, and in it, I fully embrace the fact that I am an, an intuitive business consultant. And, you know, my husband was like, I don't know, having the word intuitive there, like, you know, it may seem wooey to people and whatever. And it was not hard to go ahead and put that on the website, but it was hard to not listen to somebody that I respect their opinion and they have this point of view 
And yet I had to just trust my gut and say, no, this is what I need to do. It may look different than what you know and what you would do, but this is what I need to do. So, you know, it's it's a really hard thing to do. Absolutely. It's very hard to rely on ourselves. And I find that more and more, I have to self-coach myself to say, nope, you need to rely, you know, really listen. I, I, I learned to listen to my gut, like you talked about earlier, how our, our gut is really there to help us as well. And that's our second heart. And for me, it's like, I'm always I you know looking at what other people are saying, and then I have to stop and go, no, wait a minute, I, I have to do what's best for me and for my business. And I have to trust that that is the case. I have to trust what I'm saying. And if it doesn't work out, fine, I'll do something different. But I have to trust what my instincts tell me as well. So you're absolutely right. It's hard. It's a hard thing to do. Because I think a lot of times we don't want to fail either. So we think, well, if I listen to somebody else, they may know better than me. Well, at the end of the day, you know what's better for you because it's your business, it's your life. And and really trusting and relying on that is key. Right. And keeping a healthy relationship that is not toxic with yourself. So we only have like, of course, a few minutes left. So let listeners know uh, about your book, where they can find you and anything else that you have that is upcoming. Awesome. Well, thank you. So my book, excuse me, my book is entitled Woman's Journey of a Lifetime, Thriving Through the Transitions of Life. I just bought, I just literally ordered it uh, from your website through Amazon and, uh, so it is on its way to me. Yay. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Amazon is the place to get it. So, and I would love to get your feedback. I love to listen to what folks are saying about the book. Cause again, it was, for me, it was truly opening the kimono as you will being truly vulnerable and very, very honest. And which was a hard thing to do because I share my, you know, my thoughts, good, bad, or indifferent, my, my upbringing, which are things that I never shared with anybody before. So this was really a learning for me as well, to be able to share my life and in and, and the hopes that it'll help others go through theirs as well. And then, so I also have a coaching business, as we talked about, it's called Life 2.0, Coaching with Colleen. I do one-on-one coaching with folks. Um, the best way to reach me is through my my website, www.coachingwithcolleen.com. And spell Colleen because there are different ways of spelling it. Thank you. Thank you for that. So um, I spell it with one L, C-O-L-E-E-N. And I also do webinars. I have a webinar that I'm doing every two weeks. It's called The Five Strategies of What to Do If You Find Yourself in a Toxic Relationship. My next webinar is, is going to be on August 11th at 1. So if you'd like to sign up, if you could go on my website and sign up that way as well. Um, love to hear from you and um, just love to work with as many people as I can. Really helping them. For me, it's really helping them get out of those cycles. No one needs to be in a toxic relationship. No one needs to be treated badly. We all, we all deserve to be loved and treated with respect and understand how to make that happen in our lives. Yeah, it's time to transition from the toxic. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Well, Colleen, thank you so much. Uh, You know, I just, these conversations are so interesting to me. They're so eye-opening. I so appreciate your, your candor and transparency about your own story and sharing the work that you do with other people. As I said, I purchased your book, so I'm very excited for it to come. Uh, you can say a lot of things about Amazon, but gotta love Prime. Um, so thank you to you, my guest, Colleen Ghost. Thank you to Eric. And then next week, my guest is Eric Krima, who is 
I don't know, a big wig-ish here at Hubbard. I'm sure he'll appreciate that introduction. Stay connected, everybody. Have a great week.